This is Biblio. Smile, the book talking about podcasts in which we discuss the Otherworld series by Yasmin Gallinor. For tonight's episode of Bibliovile, Nick read Witchling, Michelle read Changeling, and I read Darkling, all by Yasmin Gallinor. It's pretty great! Welcome to Bibliovile, the book exchange podcast that's going to be a little bit different today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and call it Biblio Smile. The Great Book Exchange The Great podcast. Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. I am your co-host. I am Susan Dickinson, your second co-host. And there's a third co-host. Who? Who is it? Uh, wait, wait a minute. I recognize that voice. Who's that? Uh, hi. I'm Michelle Johnson, your third co-host. Woo woo! Michelle Johnson, our third co-host and uh, loyal listener, unlike her husband, uh, disloyal listener. This is going to be a very special and exciting episode of Biblio Smile. Um, normally, Mick and I check out terrible books for each other at the library, books that appear to be very bad, and we make the other read them, and then we record a podcast about it. But a few months ago... Mick picked out a book for me that he thought was going to be really bad. And There's it a fair w- amount of, like, cover judging. And it wound up being one of the most amazing books in the history of the world. And I loved it so much that when we did a sequels episode, I got another book in this series for Mick to read. And now we've decided to do a whole, like, special version all about the Other World series yeah, by Yasmin Gallinorn. Yasmin or Yasmin Gallinorn's first book that we checked out was Crimson Veil. Mm-hmm. So we hopped in in the seventeenth book in the series, something I believe, something like that, something yeah. like that, something ridiculous. And that's uh, really that's really like a standard bibliophile move. Though, right? <laughs> yes, it is, and it's fantastic, and I I do not regret any part of that. But uh, I, these books, and I'm sure you've heard the the episodes we've discussed on them before. If not, go back and listen to them, please. Uh, are not bad. They are legitimately fun and good and an enjoyable read, but they are bonkers. And they're super dense. And so the thing that was crazy when I read Crimson Veil, book 17 out of like 20 something, was that I had no idea what was going on and it was amazing. And so we decided to bring Michelle in because she's the best sister ever and between the three of us, we are going to try to read the whole series. And so we started this week from the very beginning. And Mick read Chain. No, Mick read Witchling. Michelle read Changeling. And I read Darkling. The first three. One, two, and three in that order. But there's a thing about this order that we read them in is that we will explain them in the reverse order. So I'm going to go ahead and start with Darkling. This is a series of books about three sisters, the Diardigo sisters, whose names are Camille, Delilah, and Manali. I'm going to be reading Manali. Michelle, you'll read Delilah, or have read Delilah, and then Mick is reading Camille. The sexy one. And (laughs) I just, like, I cannot explain to you how excited I am about this entire book series. Because each book is from the the perspective, I can't. I believe it is first person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first person perspective of one sister, and so every three books it rotates back. So it always goes 
Camille, uh, Delilah, Manali. Camille, Delilah, Manali. Camille, Delilah, Manali. In that order. Uh, and so we will stick with the same first-person perspective throughout this project. Now, this project that we're doing today, Biblio Smile, will be very fun. But I expect our regularly scheduled programming to begin again uh, next week. Michelle has her own, you know, life or whatever. <clears throat> uh, and so we'll give her a break. We'll go back to our bad books and then several weeks down the line, who knows when, uh, come back to Biblio Smile when we need a nice little <sighs> breath of fresh air and uh, some bonkersness in our life. I would just like to emphasize these books are not bad. They are perfect and amazing. And they're, I love that. They're really good. And we'll talk about what makes them so great at the end. Because there's a lot of like legitimate writing reasons that these are good. So I would agree with that. I would agree with that overall. And you're an English major. So you were an English major. And so you were the ultimate authority on that. No. <laughs> also, you've read a lot of books in your life. So you are a, you are a solid authority on whether or not a book is good. And I have specifically read a lot of bad fantasy books in my life. <laughs> I mean, you are where I get about 90% of my book recommendations. So oh, I'm, I'm hoping that you're a good judge of that. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and start us off. And I read Darkling, which is book three of this series. And it is from the perspective of Manali, who is a vampire. She is a half-fae, half-human vampire who was recently turned. The first thing that I would like to bring up about these books is just the, the sheer quantity of characters that are in this book. <laughs> so this was the craziest thing when I read the first one, Crimson Veil, a couple months ago, because I came in so far into the series that I had no idea who anyone was. And you're just immediately introduced to this huge cast of characters. And so I would just like to read some of the names for you because the names are one of my favorite things about Yasmin Gallinorn's books. She uses some absolutely fantastic names. So in addition to Camille, Delilah, and Manali, our main characters, we also have, and these some of these are just passing characters. Some of them are like pretty big players in the book. We also have Zachary Lioness, Venus the Moonchild, Bruce <laughs> the Leprechaun, Grandmother Coyote, who uh -huh. is a hag of fate, Morgane, Mordred, Arturo, Orinia, Trey, Brett, and then Tim Winthrop, who has an alter ego, his drag persona, named Cleo Blanco. Okay, I'm glad we found that. Like... I will tell you right now, I don't want to spoil too much about this, but I recognize like one out of every six of those names. So uh, stuff gets moving fast. And then we also have characters like Trillian, Razuriel, and Chase Johnson. So it's just like this incredible combination of like really cool, like very out there very obvious fantasy names and then like there's this dude named chase his last name is johnson whose last name is johnson i can't stand that it's really ridiculous <laughs> okay but quick question how many of those people that i just listed were in the books that the two of you read um chase was in there uh chase was in mine. 
the drag queen guy gets uh, Tim? drag queen woman uh, gets uh, established in my book, and it is something that I wrote about. So we'll we'll cover it there. But <clears throat> several, not nearly many. <laughs> um, Zachary Lioness appears in my. Oh, good. He's clearly, he's clearly introduced in this in book two. So. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing I liked about book one is you could tell like Yasmin was uh, uh, rubbing her palms together like, oh yeah, this is going to pop off. I am setting this up because there's some characters that are introduced but not used. And so if this was a one-off book, I'd be a little frustrated. But you could tell she was thinking ahead. She's getting ready for it. Was Grandmother Coyote mentioned in either of your books? Yes, prominently. So, so many times. Okay, good. Because I was a little worried that she was just introduced in this one. And I was I just did not know how to handle that. Because she's a hag of fate. Mm-hmm. And she just Naturally. like knows things about destiny and what's going to happen. And I was going to be really upset if she was not a prominent character in every book. Yeah, and she just kind of uh, lives in the woods outside their house. Just like shortly there. Like if you... if. Okay, if you were to imagine a person named with the surname, I suppose, Coyote, mm-hmm. uh, where do you suppose that they might live in the United States, the continental United States? The Midwest. Really? That's or what, the desert. Or, or the, the desert. desert. I think, like, American Southwest is the main place for coyotes. Yeah. I understand that there are coyotes in the Midwest. Probably not Seattle, though. Probably not Seattle, which is where our books take place, the Pacific Northwest. And so it makes it really fun that Grandmother Coyote ended up in Seattle, and there's some shiftiness there um i would say that grandmother coyote was mentioned repeatedly in my book but we never met her she was never explained oh <laughs> so they, they just keep mentioning grandmother coyote and then being like no we don't want to go to her to her for help this time and i was like who is this person <laughs> um we do meet her in this book and she gives them advice on how to proceed but but she's also not explained. Like, we meet oh, her, but there's oh, no explanation. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, samesies. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I'm really glad about that. So the basic plot of this book, and I don't want to give away too many spoilers because I want everyone who listens you to this podcast. You should read this. To read this literal entire series. But so this book focuses on Manali, who's been turned into a vampire. We get a lot of information about her backstory through the first chunk of the book and I kept asking Nick I was like does your book focus on what happened to Manali that turned her into a vampire because it needs to be a whole book by itself and he just said I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to tell you and we got pieces we got flashbacks of what happened when she was turned into a vampire but we didn't really get like an entire story. So I'm really hoping that one of your plot lines revolves around Manali being turned into a vampire. Michelle? Uh, are we allowed to tell now? Um, I I probably have the most backstory, I'm guessing. Uh, but it, it does not... She is a vampire, page one, book one. Yeah, same. She's this... a vampire right away. They say it happened 12 years ago. Ugh. This needs to be a whole book. This needs to be its own whole book. So do you know like the story of how it happened and everything? So I do know the story. it's pretty harrowing. I know the story of how it happened because we got some flashbacks, but it literally needs to be a whole book. She 
works for, so all of the Diartigo sisters worked for the Otherworld Intelligence Agency, the OIA. She was on assignment spying on a vampire named Dredge from the Elwing Blood Clan. Dredge. Love it. Such a good villain name. I am the law. And Wait. she got caught and he like tortured her and then turned her into a vampire and then set her free to go attack her entire family. But she like locked herself away and turned herself around. And now 12 years later, it's all about 12 years later, she's like fairly functional in terms of vampires. (laughs) But this whole entire thing needs to be its own book. And that was one of the overwhelming themes that I found in this book that I read was characters that I want an entire book about. Every single one of these characters could have an entire book about them, which makes this really fun. They adopted a little pet slash baby named Maggie who's a gargoyle and I want an entire book series about Maggie the gargoyle. I have a story about Maggie the gargoyle and I'm really excited to tell it. Maggie the gargoyle learned how to walk in this book and it was adorable. Would the would the story about Maggie the gargoyle be like the opening to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where baby Groot's running around? We haven't seen it yet no spoilies. That's the beginning we all know baby Groot's in it. Okay well probably Other characters that I want entire books about, there is an older lesbian woman vampire whose name is Sassy that is introduced in this book. And I want an entire book series about Sassy. I think the world could... You met her too? Yeah. Is she from Vampires Anonymous? She sure is. She sure is. I met the group. I don't think I met Sassy. I think- Sassy is excellent, and I want an entire book series about Sassy. Please, Yasmin, please give me more books about Sassy. I have. I don't think I met Sassy, but in general, I think the world could use more books about Sassy lesbian vampires. She's excellent. She's like an older woman les- lesbian vampire. She's great, and I love her a lot. So basically what happens in this book There are several vampire attacks that happen in the city of Seattle, and everyone suspects that Dredge, the vampire that turned Manali, is behind them. And so they're trying to figure out who's behind these. They're trying to find Dredge. Kind of trying to bring him up from the depths? Exactly. Like some sort of a um, lake rescue type thing? Yeah, kind of like that. Like when you like dig for things from a boat. Yeah. You know? Um, so Trolling. in order That's to it. do this, Manali has to come to terms with what happened to her and like relive it and basically heal those mental wounds. Oh, wow. In order to be able to like move forward and confront Dredge and like defeat him. Literary supernatural fiction. And it was super good. So throughout this whole thing, they're trying to find the like new vampires that he's turned and either help them or kill them. And then they're trying trying to find Dredge (laughs) (laughs) and kill Dredge. And so that's the main plot line of this book. Um, There were a couple things that like tied in with the book of Manali's that I'd already read, which was Crimson Veil, which was way later in the series. And every time I found something familiar, I like did a little mental cheering session because I was so excited. Like in Crimson Veil... Manali is married to a woman named Narissa, who's super awesome. 
And in this book, she meets Nerissa for the first time. So it was like, you know, when you watch. So like when you watched Rogue One or. um, Yeah, when you watched Rogue One or The Force Awakens. And you are introduced to characters in the Star Wars universe that you already know. But in like a different time period, and you do that like little mental woohoo, like I know this person. It was kind of like that. Like it was at it was when when you meet Han Solo in Rogue One, and you're like, wait, Heck wait, yeah, wait, that's wait, wait, Han Solo. Wait, 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 wait. Han Solo was not, not Rogue One. I meant The Force Awakens. Okay. Oh, thank God. When you see Han Solo in The Force Awakens, oh. I got the two titles mixed up. I'm sorry. When you see Han Solo in The Force Awakens, and you're like. Yes, it's Han Solo. That's how I felt when we started talking about Nerissa. I was like, it's Nerissa. She's awesome. That's not how the other world works. But it is when you've already read the 12th book in the series. I was making a joke based on a quote from The Force Awakens. I got your joke. Thank you, Michelle. I can always count on you for that. Not to appreciate my jokes, but to get them. And that's what I want. You, You cannot count on Susan for that. Um, so I was super excited when we met Narissa because she's awesome and then they wind up together and it's really great. Um, so that was a very exciting thing that happened in this book. Um, other than that, here's some like crazy stuff because this is my favorite part Uh, of the other world books is that there's some stuff like it's just very dense. There are so many characters. There's so much that's happening and there's so much that's included in this series And some of it is just, like, very enjoyably insane. Like, you weren't expecting it, and then here it is. (laughs) Including things like the opening sequence of this book, when we see Manali in her bar called the Wayfarer, she finds a goblin who wandered in through the portal into the bar, and she feeds the goblin to her waitress. Oh, Yep. Yeah, a lot of casual murder in these books, and frankly, I I adore it. Um, there's also you guys have both mentioned the Vampires Anonymous group, uh-huh. which is a group that helps individuals that have been turned into vampires come to terms with their vampireness and like not prey on innocent people. And Manali has the idea that they are eventually going to turn Vampires Anonymous into a vampire mafia to ensure that vampires don't kill innocent people. Wow. And so she wants it to be like legitimately a vampire mafia in that exists in the world, which that is crazy. Pretty, yeah, awesome. It's crazy and awesome, and I love it a lot. I have a quick question. Yes. Is a man named Wade in this book? Yes, Wade is in charge of Vampires Anonymous. Yes. Yes, he is. Wade's, is that it? Is his mother, Belinda, in this book? Yes, she is not a prominent character. She is mentioned twice, but I don't know the story behind Belinda. I only ask because in my book, Wade was mentioned, and I'm not going to talk much about Manali's plot, but Wade was mentioned as being interested in Manali, and she was quasi-interested in him as well. She's decided by this point that she's no longer interested in him. Ah, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. So other like kind of bonkers stuff that I found and noted in this book, um, there's just some like casual chatting about a threesome between Morio, Trillian, and Camille. Yep. <laughs> um, there's some were bears, which is just a fun word to say, and I like it a lot. 
Um, there's a character named Brett who is a vampire superhero named Vamp Bat. That's what? pretty easy. So uh, he's a vampire, and when he was turned into a vampire, he decided that he was going to become a superhero, and he was going to basically just like fight crime. And then uh, Dredge's soul is owned by Loki, like Norwegian like- god Loki. Norse god. Norse god Loki. Um, and then also there's a character named Morio who can shift mm-hmm. into an eight-foot-tall demon fox. That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. He's in my book, too. I did not hear anything about an eight-footer. Yep. He, he turns into an eight-foot-tall demon fox. It's me, Morio. Um, real quick, I would tall. like, I would like wait, wait, to... Wait, wait, I want to make the mushroom noise. Can I please make the mushroom noise? Go ahead. Zoop, 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 zoop. There you go. Because he's Morio, and he's eight-foot-tall. Uh, there are... Two things that I would like to mention that I really love about this book. One. There are some things that are really relatable. Um, and one of them is like Manali is always really reluctant over who her sister dates. And she like she gets very protective of her sisters and she wants them to be dating good people. But Just then like how Michelle hates me. Throughout the yeah. book, she finds things that she like reluctantly decides that she likes about them. And it's just kind of like, I just feel like that's really normal. Like at first you're really protective of your siblings and you're like, no one is good enough for her. You go away. And then you're like, oh, but I actually kind of like you and I don't want to admit it. And I just found that very relatable. Um, Also. Wow. You say that with your sister on the line. No, no, no. Like this is how I felt about Matt. (laughs) But like, I think that's a very like normal thing that you go through with your friends, right? <laughs> sure, sure. It is. You're like, okay. Never mind. I'm gonna continue. Other relatable themes. Manali, after being turned into a vampire, is afraid that she's like going through all these really difficult and tough things alone, and so she doesn't tell her sisters about them. And then in the end, she winds up having to disclose all this stuff to her sisters, and her sisters are like, "Hey, we go through really tough stuff with our stuff too." Yeah, because they're all special. Because they're all, yeah, they all have like special powers, and so she kind of realizes like, oh, I'm not the only one that's going through this. Mm. That also feels very relatable. Um, real quick, I'm just gonna fire off some questions that I have. Um, there are apparently soul statues that exist on an ancestral shrine that can tell them if their family members are dead. I, I would like to know what that's all about. Michelle, anything? I have. No thanks. Oh, good. Okay. No, no, uh, no answers um, for me. Question two: What is a Floriad, and how does one go bad? Oh, uh, like a wind, like it was a W name, Floriad is a W name. I uh, there was a like a plant person elf. I don't Wisteria. Know. Wisteria, yeah. exactly. She was in my book as well. They, uh, she was helping the demons that. I'll get into it. But okay. Yeah, she was in my book. What is a Dagath Squad? D e g a t h Squad. Uh, they were the scouting squad for our big baddie, Shadowwing. Oh, good. Um, the sisters seem confident that the earth will fall, but I'm not sure what it's falling to. I'll get to it. Okay. Um, who is Wisteria? You mentioned that one. You'll get there. Um, what are the subterranean realms? Hell. They're like hell. Yeah, basically. Um, Camille can sense what type of creature someone is from across the room. Is this a, a power that was mentioned in your book, Vic? Uh, I'll, like, remind me to bring that up if I don't address it. 
Okay. Um, there's a woman named Titania, and I have no idea who she is. Oh, she is. Uh, Michelle, did you run into her at all? Uh, she was mentioned. Okay. Um, I know who she is from like Shakespeare and fairy tales, but. Oh, yes. Good. So, uh, one big thing for my uh, book was the story of Tam Lin, and it was treated like that's a person from legend. Tam Lin, I don't know, uh, but was the Titania had captured Tam Lin and uh, uh, was, like, keeping him alive in perpetuity for... It was kind of hinted towards, like, sex slavery, as is everything in Camille's books. Uh, but uh, she's a very, very old, like, fey creature, otherworld creature that stayed on Earth after the portals closed, basically. So, yeah. Um, Tim a- Lynn is a creature, is a, like... Not a creature, a person from like Scottish legend. Ah. Hmm, interesting. I should have looked it up. Next question: What are spirit seals? I got it. Okay, Mix got it. Um, what was their original assignment from the Otherworld Intelligence Agency? This feels like mostly Mick directed. Okay, so apparently that's yeah. addressed in Mick's book. And then final question: What is the Whispering Mirror? Oh, I got that one, Michelle. Did you run into that? I did, and also. Uh, during my book, I will have some things to report that may have changed about the Whispering Mirror. Oh, good. Mick's book. Okay, well, I'll say what the Whispering Mirror was, and then you can say how it might have changed. Great. Uh, the Whispering Mirror is basically like a looking glass, like a, a CB radio system for fantasy, wherein only Camille, Delilah, and Manali can report back to the OIA and say, hey, this is going on, we need help. And the one time they use it in my book, they talk to their dad. So we get to actually meet their dad, which is fun. We do not we do not talk to dad in my book. So it's it's basically like a scry like a two way scrying. Interesting. Yeah. So those are the questions that I have after reading uh Darkling. Well, oh yeah, we're not saying how it ends because we want you to read it. And then I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Michelle, who can maybe answer some of my questions. Let's go. Second time on Bibliovile, Michelle. You got this. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, I mean, it's the third time or second and a half, maybe, if you count last episode. It's true. <laughs> That's true. First and So maybe. I read Changeling, which the main character of Changeling is Delilah, the middle sister, uh, who is who is very tall and skinny and... And I think has blonde hair, which yep. I, if you hear about way more often than I super wanted to in this book. That's <laughs> one of my only beefs with this book is that I feel like I am less interested in the clothes than Yasmin wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. Fine, which is fine. It's fine. Um, uh, so in this book, um, the, the way the book starts is that Delilah is a changeling. She can change into a tabby cat. That is it. Yep. That is not it That's in my it. book. Well, spoilers. Yeah. So, yeah. Spoilers, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> she can change into a golden tabby cat, which happens sometimes when she's stressed out, and sometimes when she gets distracted by things. For example, uh, ornaments on the Christmas tree. <laughs> because my book is also a Christmas book, everyone. Oh, so it's not a Christmas book, it's a Yule book. Yule. Yule book. Yeah, they're pagans. Because um, they're witches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it is a Yule book. And at one point, Delilah rips down their 14-foot-tall Christmas tree. Oh, no. Because she's, 
because she sees an ornament that she wants. So. <laughs> yeah, in my book, uh, if I can jump in, Delilah seemed the least in control of her powers. Yeah. Um, so in this book, she is a she's a little bit in control. She, she can sometimes decide when she's going to shift, but it often happens when she doesn't mean for it to. Um, mm -hmm. Which you know, it's kind of it's kind of sucks if that if it's also that you can only turn into a cat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not even like anything that can fight. So I guess you're just gonna learn how to fight. Normal, you know? yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say in the uh, book I read of this series, way in the future, Shaded Vision was a Delilah book, <clears throat> and Delilah is a straight up badass in that book. Like she is a silver knife knife and so i'm excited to run into that because the silver knife that she has in that book is sentient and like huh. sings for blood and she like kicks people in the balls and rips some balls off and stabs a whole bunch of guys like she is the most badass of her sisters in terms of like straight up standing punching fighting type stuff so that's it was pretty fun to see like a very timid non-threatening delilah in these books yeah she is definitely, in this book, she's kind of timid and not super threatening. She is a private detective. That mm -hmm. is her cover. Um, and that's how the book starts, basically. She, she's sitting in her office, and her first appointment is with one Zachary Lioness. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, Zachary is a were-puma. Uh, which means he turns into a puma, in case you didn't get that. Uh, and he is having problems because someone is killing members of his clan, um, the Rainier Puma Pride. So they live out at Mount Rainier, and four of them have been found dead, and it's like they've been like in they've been turned into husks. Like everything has been sucked out of them. So that's mm. weird. Um, and. They very quickly find, they, I can't remember how they figure out exactly what it is that's going on. I believe they perhaps get a visitation at their house from some bad, bad folks, but they figure out that it is were spiders. Oh no. Gross. Were nope. spiders? I'm burning down the rest of this book because I'm disgusted and grossed out. <laughs> that is exactly how I felt, especially now that I live in an old house um, that I own and that I have to go down in the old creepy basement to do laundry in. So <clears throat> That's terrible I, and I hate it. Yeah, it was. Well, awful. they are the villains, <laughs> to be fair. That's true. Um, so the were spiders uh, are killing members of this puma bride, and they do a, a bunch of investigation to figure out why on earth this is happening. And it sort of goes pretty slow. Like they're investing, they go to they go out to see the pride, and then they come back and they talk through everything. And I was kind of thinking like, oh, this is this is kind of a detective story, and there isn't really that much that's crazy going on. And then chapter thirteen happens. Okay. Oh, <laughs> and my note. My note about chapter 14 is, in all caps, everything accelerated so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, within the space of two chapters, we go from, we don't really know what's going on, aside from the fact that this group of were spiders is killing this group of were pumas, to um, we are fighting a zombie demon. Oh. Uh, <laughs> who has an army of were spiders, and... 
and who wants to kill this bride of Werpumas, which we knew, out of revenge. That guy also wants to get the spirit seal that the pride of Werpumas have. Oh, naturally. Naturally. Um, and also, to get this information, Camille has sworn herself to be the, like, consort of a dragon for one week. Oh, yeah. And also, uh, Delilah has become a death maiden, someone who is sworn to the service of the Autumn Lord and is basically a living Grim Reaper. I'm happy that you got into the backstory of that, because I had to just kind of take that on my shoulders during my read of a Delilah book. Yeah. It was a, um, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot, and it happened in the space of two chapters. <laughs> 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 and then there was a brief interlude uh, where Delilah and her boyfriend, Chase, hooked up, and then yep. we had a whole new chapter where we where we understood now that the war in the other world has devolved to the point it's like open war. It's all out. Uh, the sister's dad has gone into hiding and the OIA has been officially disbanded. Like that's what happened in four chapters. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just popping off. That's yeah, what I... really, everything really like went from zero to like a billion in not very much time. That's one of the things that I love about these books is that when Yasmin Gallinor decides that things are happening, they are happening. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so among the things that were kind of crazy that we got in this book, um, we have, so on one hand, where spiders are super creepy and I may need to burn my house down if I see a spider in it. However, on the other hand, if, you have, if you're going to turn into an animal, a spider is a pretty good one. They're, like, easy to smush, but also easy to miss. Wait, wait, wait. They're, like, how giant are these were spiders? Are they spider-sized? They're, like, normal. Yeah. Oh. That's so weird. They're, like, pretty big, normal spiders, but they're... They're not like a giant spider for the most part. So they're not there like are that some one. Giant spiders later, but that's a separate. Oh, thing. gross! So they're not like yeah. the Lord of the Rings spider or the Harry Potter spiders. No, thank God. Oh, okay. Yeah, that it's would be traumatizing, and I might never sleep again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do I have in my notes? I really liked one of the things. So Susan, you were mentioning there's sort of like. The sister relationship is really relatable in some yeah. ways. And I would agree with that. I think in, in this book especially, Delilah spends some time being, like, mildly annoyed at her sisters. But at no point does it devolve into, like, I hate you and I'm going to, like, ruin everything because I cannot stand you at all. It just is, like, please stop, like, you know, leaving the chair pushed out at dinner or whatever. Like, yeah. it's, like normal things that you could be annoyed at your sister about or like please stop calling me this name or whatever things like yeah. that it's it was it was kind of funny to be like oh yeah that is how adult sisters interact with each other mm -hmm. um i also uh delilah as opposed to camille who is clearly like the very sex positive yeah has three boyfriends uh at the same time she wants yeah. yep um, and Manali, who at least in my book d doesn't really have anyone she's interested in, and my book is when she sort of discards Wade as an as an interesting person. Mm -hmm. um, Delilah is interested in at the, at the beginning of the book. She has a boyfriend, uh, Chase Chase mm -hmm. Johnson. Yep, I assume. 
Yep. Good old Chase Johnson. Um, and uh, this was actually, I'm going to read one quote because it was like, it was like, oh, okay, this is the kind of book that is. Um, so it says, Chase, who fancied himself my boyfriend because we had sex once a week, had sent the donuts to me. When the box of 32 gourmet donuts had been delivered along with a dozen red roses and a catnip toy, a little thrill ran through my heart. He really did understand me. <laughs> that is adorable. <laughs> It's just so weird. I do like every... Um, so she's dating Chase. Uh, we get introduced to Zach Lioness, and there's a lot of sexual tension between him and Delilah for, like, kind of obvious reasons. They're both weir... wares. Uh, yeah. Wear felines. persuasion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's kind More of like obvious. Uh, at the end of the At the end of this book, anyway, Delilah kind of says, like, no thanks, um, and sticks with Chase. Nice. Uh, so it's interesting to have sort of that spectrum of like, hey, from like all the way one way to all the way the other way. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to make sure to call out because I had forgotten about this until I read it and I had that like moment of thrill that Susan was talking about. Um, during the last major fight scene when they kind of like go to the wear spider stronghold and it was really gross and I hated it. Um, at one point, Chase shoot something with his gun and it doesn't work and then yep so do you know what he pulled out yeah i do were they the nunchucks he pulled out nunchucks oh i love it so much we get to meet his nunchucks book one oh i loved it yeah it was great it was great (laughs) i read it and i laughed a lot so uh so yeah i thought my book was it was I think Delilah at this point in the story has not, like, she definitely has a lot of growth to go in, so mm-hmm. I feel like she might be a little sort of lagging behind her two sisters in terms of, like, what she can do and how in charge of herself she feels, and I think that really, that sort of came through in the book. Yeah, which is good. I also think yeah. she is going to be one of the most interesting to read through this series, because I think from like where the the books that Mick and I have already read from now until then, sh- like there's a whole bunch of Delilah that happens. And I think like <laughs> right. the next two books of hers that you read are just going to be like, holy smokes, there's Delilah. <laughs> and I think that'll be really fun. Hey there, Delilah. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Any other final thoughts about Delilah or Changeling? I am super interested to hear about the next book in our order, aka the first book, because I want to know exactly how much backstory I missed so that I know how much there just isn't. Right? There just isn't. Yeah, there's a whole lot of that. Uh, My book was Witchling, which I'm very excited to talk about because it is the first overall book in the other world series and from what we have read so far uh backstory is a pretty important missing piece of everything that we have seen from the other world series because it is just bonkers uh from a to z from a to b mostly and b stands for bonkers uh and so i wanted to get some backstory on that bonkers and one of my favorite things was just nah that's, there's no backstory? No, there's backstory. <laughs> but I was thinking that this book would be like the introduction. The like, let's get to Earth. Here's how the portals open. Here's how Manali gets turned into a vampire. These sorts of issues and plots and developments. 
and Witchling begins with them on Earth having been put here by the OIA. Also, there's an other world. Also, there's all these subterranean realms. Also, that all these people have these powers, and we already know Chase. And just like we hop into this existing world, book one, with pretty much all of the major beats in place. Oh my wow. goodness. I yeah. felt like instead of reading book two, I was reading book four. So <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So uh, the thing is that book uh, one is light on backstory, but heavier than others from what I have seen on exposition, if that makes sense. Uh, so it, it takes people like Chase Johnson and instead of introducing him, he is already there, but it explains him, if that makes sense. So it is not like I walked up to the young handsome man and shook his hand. Like, Chase is already there. They already know Chase. But it explains the guy, right? So I'll get started on the the backest of backstories that there is an other world and there's a subterranean realms and there's Earth in the middle is basically it. Like, other world is your traditional fantasy world of elves and except they're like Sidhey or however you might pronounce that, um, as well as like dragons are there. But also nasty things. Like, it's not all bright and rosy. Uh, the queen of Otherworld takes a lot of opium. She's a drug addict. Oh! Uh, and in this book, the Civil War that uh, Michelle briefly kind of mentioned is developing. So there must be, like, a pop-off in between books because this one is developing because she is not caring enough about her citizens. Anyway, this book uh, focuses on Cammie, the oldest D'Artigua's sister, and... Uh, she is a half-human, half-fey witch that worships the Moon Mother. I don't know if she worships her like a god or if that's where she gets her powers. I don't really know. But the fun thing about Camille is that she is not that good at it. I don't know if you guys ran into this. I did, In yeah. your books, but a lot of her spells backfire. And so that's kind of fun as like, I'm a witch, but I'm not really that good at it. It's kind of like a lot of mutants before they go see Professor Xavier. Anyway. So Chase is introduced in the book pretty early. He is the detective from the, uh, uh, he's the human detective that set up kind of like a liaison between the Seattle PD and the Otherworld Intelligence Agency, which is meant to go to Earth and uh, kind of set up relations between these two worlds. What's very funny is they, the Artigo sisters are kind of shuffled off to Earth as like unwanted in my book. They're like kind of push into this unliked, unfavorable position because they're not that good at what they do. <laughs> and so it's kind of like an underdog story, which I didn't get very much from my other ones. Uh, but she meets Chase. He's this uh, well-dressed and well-meaning and pretty smart based on his job uh, where he kind of like created his own uh, department to liaison with the OIA. Uh, except Camille does not like him. Because he is apparently very lecherous. Like he's always oh. staring down her dress or at her legs or anything like that. And I came into this conclusion pretty late in the book that because in general this book has, and this is an uncomfortable thing to talk about between your wife and your wife's sister, this book has a lot to do with sex at any given time. And so uh, I'm pretty sure that the reason that Chase is so lecherous is not because Chase is actually lecherous, but that Camille's mind is always just on, like, if Chase does anything weird, it must be because he wants to bang her. Or mm -hmm. because, like, 
he always gets in close or, you know, that everything is concerned with sex, not because everything is concerned with sex, but because Camille is very concerned with sex, which... So one of the things that came up in my book a lot was the idea of the Fae having a glamour. Yeah. Yep. That also makes humans sort of lecherous around them. So, like, that is a little rude of her. <laughs> yeah, and so she... He apparently can't quite help it, and then she... Uh, whatever, but a lot of the magic in general in this book, because there's a lot of magic, the, a lot of the magic has to do with seduction. Like, there's a lot of charming and a lot of glamour, and there's a spot in the woods where they end up, and it turns out it's, like, secretly illusionary magical, and uh, it makes her and another character just do it without really, like, uh, being ready for that step yet, which honestly was pretty, like, fun in a fantasy book. Like, hey, these two characters kind of want to do it but she's somewhat committed to this other guy trillion and now she's gonna do it with this guy because of the magic and now the rest of the book happens which was the best part that they have to be like <laughs> yeah we did it but it was because of magic but also we kind of wanted to and so that that was kind of fun but i'm getting ahead of myself camille is introduced uh physically on page 18 and since a lot of her stuff has to do with being very just dropped dead gorgeous and wanted by every character around her it i think it makes sense to introduce her to make matters worse for the first few hours she accidentally tried to cast an invisibility uh, spell and she made her clothes invisible not herself <laughs> uh to make matters worse for the first few hours i could still see my clothes just nobody else could my 38 double d boobs gave the world a real show along with my hourglass figure long raven hair and j-lo-esque butt <laughs> So that is what we imagined when we imagined Camille. That is uh, amazing. And I got to say, the cover got it right because she's in a corset and just pouring out of it. So good job, uh, 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 cover designers. Uh, but as we go through this book, the plot basically is setting up the overarching plot of the Other World series, which is kind of fun. We get our first introduction to Shadowing. Uh, he is the leader of the Underworld or the subterranean realms kind of like army mafia i'm not really quite sure what they are uh he has taken over for beast tug uh i say that because it's beast uh as it is and then t a with an umlaut g e r so beast tug uh i do not know why the a with umlaut and so shadowing is a soul eater or something like that and it's like the highest of the high demons and it's very worrying that now he's in charge uh, and so they get this this info from uh, a lot of people. We meet Grandma Coyote for the first time. She's a hag of fate that she reads the future but cannot change it. Uh, there's still free will apparently. I, I, it's kind of it's that entire sort of question based on a plot. <laughs> um, but we meet the the spirit seals for the first time, and so. Uh, uh, here we go with basically setting up the rest of the other world plot. And this is going to be kind of a long quote, but I think it's necessary if we're going to do this more than once. Shadowing. She had to be talking about shadowing. <laughs> Soul eaters were the biggest of the big bads. They devoured the very essence of their enemies, casting their souls into oblivion as they absorbed their opponent's power. Among the highest order of demons, soul eaters were rare, and they usually managed to charm... See, like charm and seduce and all these sort of things. Their way into positions of authority. Once there, they turned tyrant and the resulting rule was always bloody. By the time their minions realized what was going on, it was too late. Long ago, the elementary... Uh, this is Grandmother Coyote now talking. 
Long ago, the Elementor Lords were given guardianship over the Spirit Seal, which was broken into nine parts fashioned into pendants. The Lords grew lazy and the seals were lost. So this is Lord of the Rings, kind of. Mm-hmm. Eventually, mortals found them and took possession. They These are what the scouts, these demons, the team that you mentioned, seek when they find the seals, they will take them into the depths where they will be joined back as one and the soul eater will rip open the portals that separate the woods, the worlds, excuse me. So the spirit seals basically control who can move from subterranean realms to earth to other world. And as of right now, there are several porters, one of portals, one of which is hidden in a bar that we neglected to mention, the Wayfarer. Uh, with these spirit seals, they will be able to move all of their demons and the armies and all the tanks in the world won't be able to stop them, right? And so that's the overarching plot of these books. Find the spirit seals, close the, or make sure the portals stay portals instead of just being this open sort of walled incursion. Uh, that's and kind also of, shadowing is bad. Shadowing is bad, yes. Uh, so that's kind of like the D&D campaign uh, overarching plot right but each book has a separate adventure kind of plot where we go on a much smaller scope and so this book's smaller scope is that uh, a giant bouncer for the wayfair Inn was murdered and they're trying to figure out who did it this leads them to the the three scouts that you mentioned earlier that are trying to find the spirit seal uh, which is owned by a tamlin right and so i'll leave the rest for uh, you to read because you should read this book but Tamlin is the man who has it. Tom Lane, they called him in the book. Uh, but I want to just like go back over some of the bonkersness. The the biggest bad guy, the antagonist in this book, which we only meet once during the final battle, uh, actually meet, but they talk about it a lot. Uh, the final book, or the big bad guy is named, he's a demon. He's one of the higher demons and he's named Badass Luke. Okay, he was a reference in my book a couple times, and I couldn't figure out what that was all about. His name was literally Badass Luke. No, that's what they nickname him, because his real name is like 14 letters long, and that's exactly how they put it. It's like, it's way too long to say all the time, so we just called him Badass Luke. And his their, their fathers have fought him. Yeah. And so I really love this, like... Uh, this whole thing about oh god we got to find the spirit seals before badass luke does and it's like all this high fantasy mixed with a man named uh badass luke so it's it's much slower than the other books that we've covered uh because it, it's kind of taking its time introducing whereas the uh shaded vision book that i read uh is just like fight scene to fight scene to fight scene we do get to meet chase's nunchucks and uh, uh they are surprised that he has them <laughs> Uh, uh, but he's like, you don't think I just trained in marksmanship, do you? Uh, Chase's nunchucks, I think, are one of my favorite characters in this series. They are definitely one of my favorites. <laughs> um, so along with badass Luke come two different villains. Oh, one is a harpy and the other is something called the psycho babbler, which is a type of demon that gets to, uh, disguise itself as like a very beautiful human being. Once again, like seduction and charming and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and then kills people, I guess. Uh, but the harpy comes first. This is like a mini boss, mini boss, big boss kind of situation. Uh, she's trying to track the harpy from the top of the space needle for some reason. Oh. And, uh, her magic backfires as is wont to do. And she summons the harpy to the top of the space needle. And I think that that is the ultimate (laughs) in 
urban fantasy fun bonkersness is that now there's a harpy that got summoned by magic to the top of the space needle uh, <laughs> uh maggie the baby gargo- gargoyle is introduced here uh she is uh introduced by the summoning of the harpy the harpy has her in a bag and is going to use that her for a snack uh... and so it's a good thing that yeah it's a good thing they summoned the harpy uh, because then they get to save the gargoyle. So that's good. I'm glad they saved the gargoyle. I like Maggie a lot. Yeah. Um, some stuff in this book that I really want to mention as being like a sign of a good book, and we can kind of get to this later, is that for all the bonkersness, some stuff in this book is really mundane. And that really paints like a really fun kind of dichotomy here where... Like, Manali is this vampire, and she's fighting a demon in their living room, and this demon is a psycho babbler, and he gets to spit poison and all this sort of stuff. And she flies in, and she's basically um, invulnerable to all this sort of stuff because she's already dead. And so she kills him by, like, basically sucking his blood, killing him, like a vampire does. Except it's a demon's blood, not a human's blood, and so it's really, like, unappetizing and gross and makes her feel nauseous. And so she has to, like, go away and go puke for a little bit. And all the rest of the characters like, oh, okay, we'll respect your distance as you go vomit up this demon blood. And I really love that. Like, there's this big supernatural element, this vampire sucking a demon's blood. But then it's very mundane where she has to go in the bathroom and be like, oh, God, that didn't, that doesn't sit very well. (laughs) So in my book, uh, at one point, they're fighting a were spider in the kitchen. And Iris, they're like... Yeah, they're house sprite. Who is also, yeah. yeah, she's a she's a house sprite, so she's like four feet tall, um, and she. So they're like fighting this were spider, and Camille is fighting it, and Delilah's fighting it, and they can't get it. Like they can't. He's like turned back into a human being, so and they just like can't pin him down. And then Iris hits him over the head with a with a frying pan. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Um. Yeah, I love it. Uh, in this book, I'm not going to tell you when this happens, but this phrase, this paragraph happens, and I think it has to summarize everything about this book, uh, everything about the series. Uh, we meet Morio. He's a he's a Japanese fox demon. Uh, they do it. Uh, just then, Morio cha- like. I really want to pay attention to the phrase, just then. Just then, Morio, Chase, and Delilah came racing onto the scene, carrying the silver swords that we kept in the living room cabinet. This is the first time we hear about the silver swords, and I love the phrase, just then. Uh, It is a fantastic book. It's bonkers and crazy and a whole lot of fun, and I had a lot more quotes, but uh, we want to keep this a little bit short since we had three books this time. And so I want to like hop into the the why why is this book so great? Uh, I have questions to ask first, and then I'll make my de- definitive statement afterwards. Is that this book is written by a woman uh, about three strong? I would feel female characters. Yeah, for sure. And so asking two yeah. women, do you think that like you've already mentioned some of the the ways that this gets uh, female uh, relationships right? And do you feel like the dialogue between woman characters like comes across as genuine and real they can't see a nod sue i i do i i super think that they get that right because and michelle you kind of touched on this too the three sisters love each other a lot and care about each other very fiercely and want to protect each other and like 
be there for each other and do right by each other. And they also piss each other off all the time. And they're like, yes. I find my sisters very annoying. But at the same time, like, I would kill anyone that threatened them. And I want them to be successful and happy and, like, to do well in their lives. Like, I don't know, just like that. I feel like it really, in this type of situation, like, really gets that relationship right. Yeah. I also think, like, given the characters that they are, I think that their dialogue, for the most part, makes sense. Um between each other like Mm -hmm. they are different people they've been around each other their whole lives but i mean they're different they're just different human beings so they have interactions in a way that is like yes this is how people and you're interacting like people um and i and i really appreciated that um there were a few places where it was kind of like oh you were going for a you know a snarky remark and it maybe didn't quite hit but that's like a different a different thing. Yeah. yeah. That's always hard to get, like, genuine snark. Going for, like, a buffy one-liner, and you, like, <laughs> just didn't quite hit the mark. Yeah. Like, okay, that's fine. Come see my band this Friday, Genuine Snark. Uh, we're being opened by buffy one-liner. It was hilarious. I'll have you guys know. Uh, the one thing that I want to put forward as the reason I love this book is that it is so completely trimmed. That everything in this, these at least my book and the other one I've read about the other world series, like everything may not always be forward and going and pedaled to the metal, but every single page I feel added something to the story. Like it seemed like all fat was trimmed off of it, that uh, each page was dedicated to furthering something, whether that was character relationships or the overarching uh campaign plot or the book related adventure plot Wh- whatever it seemed very very trimmed and focused um, i noticed the same thing there are a few places where there are a few exceptions i think in my book but i also because i had not read the first book sometimes it was hard to tell like oh this is clearly furthering an overall plot versus this is a weird interlude scene so I think that that complicated my sort of assessment of some of those scenes. Like we took a trip to Vampires Anonymous, which I kind of felt like wasn't super necessary. Um, but for the most part, I would agree with you. Yeah, I think mine because it was the third one. We were like catching up to other things that were resolving from plots one and two, and then also we had a whole plot three. And so I super felt like everything that happened was very necessary, um, both in like catching us up to what had happened in the other two books and then furthering the plot with the additional stuff that happened in that book. So I thought that was really good. The thing that I think I like the most about this series, and I think it's also because, Michelle, you and I both follow Yasmin Gallinorn on Twitter um, and so we see a lot of the things that she posts, which are often very political. And it makes total sense when you see her Twitter feed that like, oh, of course, those are the things that you believe because you have a series that's about like a, a bisexual vampire and polyamorous witches and wear pumas and like it's like it's just a very overall like 
accepting and like very across the board like super open world and i love it yeah in my in my book it gets mentioned that like it's very rude because one of the things i love about this book and i had laughed at it at first but it's very fun is that no two people are the same thing right like it seemed like she made it her goal to have no repeats of a supernatural creature mm -hmm. i suppose we meet a couple different vampires but like there's where pumas and where bears and where spiders and where cats and everything like that uh and i feel like the theme that developed or one thing that got mentioned in my book is that it's very rude in this culture to ask well what are you Right, like you don't. This actually oh, got what a person is. Yeah, well, you you it got mentioned specifically that it is rude to ask what kind of thing are you, and so from this I got the theme of like I don't want to get super deep into stuff here, especially as we run towards the end. But I got the theme of like a genderless society, basically, where you are what you are, and who gives a crap, right? Like you'll live your life, all, we'll interact with each other, and it'll be fun and good and i don't have to ask you to nail down what and who you are and so that makes sense from uh her twitter account and her beliefs and yeah. going forward but i thought that was a very refreshing and fun theme uh to discover i also yeah. just felt like these books were super fun oh yeah lots of fun yes yeah the doing it in this book leaves something to be desired it was pretty metaphorical so you know, you hop onto the sex witch and you're like, man, I'm going to get a lot of witch sex in this. Can't yeah. say that I did. Shucks. Any final thoughts, Michelle? Um, no, I think that about wraps it up for me. Nice. It was great. I am so glad that we read the first three because I think all three of them were very good and I'm excited to read the next three. Yes. As we move on with this uh, Biblio Smile project, the Otherworld uh, devotion series, it, it, it will get very exciting. I do not know when that will happen. Uh, we're trying to figure out some good spots between intervals uh, for that, but moving ahead, it'll be very exciting. So going into our closing credits, you can follow me on Twitter at Dickima, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. And the reason I had to stall there was because I was thinking of Michelle's. Uh, so I'll just have her rattle hers off because I can never do it in one try. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at I-C-F-A-S-N-T-W. It stands for I Can't Find a Screen Name That Works. And you can follow me, Susan, on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. Um, the theme music for our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Um, please check out Galenorn, G-A-L-E-N-O-R-N.com, which is Yasmin Galenorn's um, fan page. It is excellent, and she is excellent, and you should read all of these books. Um, also, oh yeah, you can check out the Bibliovile plot generator at bibliovile.glitch.me for me. Um, that is a generator that will allow you to generate your own bad book plot, which is amazing. But just to clarify, Yasmin Gallinorn's books are not bad. They are amazing and perfect and you should read all of them. Yeah, I think that these get suitably uh, bonkers. I think that about covers it. Read <laughs> these books. We'll cover her uh, website. Yeah, we'll read uh, her website in a future episode because it, it deserves its own 
uh, discussion and talk. Mm-hmm. But um, thank you very much, Michelle, for participating in our weird podcast. You're the best sister ever. Oh, thanks. You're the best sister ever. Oh, thanks. Mix here too. Uh, all in all, thank you for listening. Feel free to share, like, rate, retweet, do all the stuff. Smash that like button. Uh, please, God, love us. Until two weeks from now when we come back with some, like, not good books as opposed to these really, really fun and good books. Uh, I'm Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. Michelle. Michelle Johnson. Nice. Uh, have a good night, Matt. Good night, Dave. Good night, Dave.